chapter 25. We're just going to read a small portion of scripture here. And we're going to dive right into it. I want to read you two verses. Matthew chapter 25. And then also Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, the Word of God reads, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, And find out what pleases the Lord. And find out what pleases the Lord. Repeat that with me. And find out what pleases the Lord. One more time. And find out what pleases the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now. I pray that you would be with us here this morning. Remove me. Place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. He that has an ear, let him hear. I give you all the glory, all of the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. And all together we said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell him, well done. Now tonight, we also have our regional service. I know a lot of people were asking, is it still going to be happening because it's raining? We are still going to be having our regional service. Uh, pray that you can make it on out there. Carpool if you can. We'll be going to Sacramento uh, out there having a blessed time with Pastor Robert Mays. So if you're able to make it, if you've never made a regional uh, gathering, you got to come on out. We're going to have a great time tonight there in Sacramento. Just pray that the rain stop. Amen. That's what we need to pray for, that the rains would stop. Well done. I want to ask you a question here this morning. Is what you are doing right now, is it pleasing unto God? Is what you are doing right now, is it pleasing unto God? Now, I pray that by the end of this service, there becomes an illumination within your heart, within your mind, within your body, within your soul, that maybe you might not have seen before you walked into the doors of this church. And the reason why is because a lot of times we tend to think that God is pleased with the way that you think. But prayerfully, by the end of the service, you're going to see that God is pleased with the way that he thinks, with his ways, with his thoughts. Not ours, but his. Can I hear an amen? A lot of times we like to put God in a box, but how many know that God, he's the first jack. He doesn't like to be in that box. He doesn't like to be inside. He gets out of that box. He likes to, he came up with that song before anybody ever came up with it, before to twist the turn and, of the box. No, God, he's outside of that. He's bigger than what you think. We're going to be talking about that here in just a moment. Is what you are doing pleasing unto God? I want to tell you a story about a man that one night he was in a cabin. And as he was there in his cabin, all of a sudden a light began to fill the room of this man's cabin. And the light, after that light, God appeared to this man. Then the Lord told the man he had a work for him to do. And then what he did is he showed him a large rock in front of the cabin. And then the Lord explained to this man that he wanted him to push against this rock with all of his might. So day after day, that's what the man did. 
he pushed against the rock with all of his might. For years he toiled from sun up to sundown, and his shoulders set squarely against this cold, massive rock that would not move, pushing with all of his might. Each night he returned to his cabin sore and worn out, feeling that his whole day had, that had been spent in vain. Since the man all, all of a sudden started showing discouragement, the adversary, or the enemy, Satan came in and decided to enter the picture by placing thoughts into this weary man's mind. You've been pushing against that rock for a long time, and it hasn't even moved. Then all of a sudden, this man got this impression that the task became so impossible that he felt like a failure. Thoughts of discouragement and disheartenment came to this man. Satan told him, why are you killing yourself over this? Just put in your time, giving just the minimum effort, and that is going to be good enough. So that's what the weary man planned to do. But he decided to, t to make it a matter of prayer and take, it, take his troubled thoughts to the Lord. Lord, he said, I have labored long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do that which you've asked me. Yet after all this time, I have not even budged that rock even a half a millimeter. What is wrong? Why am I failing? The Lord responded compassionately to him and said, My friend, when I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all of your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move that rock. Your task was to push it. And now you've come to me with your strength, strength spent, thinking that you have failed. But is that really so? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscular. Your back powerful. Your hands are callous from constant pressure. Your legs have become massive and hard. Through opposition you have grown much and your abilities now surpass that which you used to have. True, you haven't moved the rock. But your calling was to be obedient and to push and to exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom. That you have done. Now, my friend, I will move the rock. See, a lot of times we look at it and God gives us a task and we say, okay, God, I'm doing it. But then all of a sudden it's not going according to our plan. And what happens is we feel like a failure. We feel like a failure. And we're pushing and we're pushing and we're pushing, but nothing's moving. And all of a sudden the enemy comes in and he tries to discourage you. And he tries to mess with you. He tries to plant thoughts inside of it. Look, at your ministry ain't going nowhere. Look, your family ain't even listening to you. And all you're doing is praying for them. All you're doing is just pushing and you're moving. Look, at nothing is happening. And God says, look, I didn't ask you to move it. I asked you to just push. So listen, this is what you need to catch. Listen to me, church. Even even at times when you feel like you're moving and you're moving and things are happening, but what's in front of you is not moving, my friend, keep pushing. When you ain't got no money in the bank, keep pushing. When your family's talking about you, keep When people don't like you and they're saying, man, what's wrong with him? Listen, keep When your marriage doesn't look like it's all together, keep When you ain't got enough money to give out and you ain't got enough money to put in the basket, keep Keep pushing. Your job isn't to move it. Your job is to push. 
Your job is to push. See, a lot of times we try to please God our way. Oh, he wants me to move this. No, he doesn't. He wants you to push. Oh, he wants me to do this. No, he doesn't. He wants you to push. Oh, my family's going to get saved because of me. No, he doesn't. He just wants you to push. You do your job. You do what God has called you to do. Tell your neighbor, well done. Now, have you ever done something before that you have thought, man, this is the worst job I've ever done. I can't even believe, I I don't even want to put my stamp of approval on this thing. Have you ever done one of those and you did something, you're like, oh, this is just horrible. And then all of a sudden people go, great job. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me before. I've done like a horrible job. I mean, horrible. I mean, as a pastor, it happens to me practically every Sunday. Because I get off the pulpit and I go, man, I did a horrible job. And then some of you come up to me and go, Pastor, that was great. I, really? Did you listen to me? You know, I was, you know, I don't think so, but that's just what we do sometimes. We do that many times. Man, I messed up. I don't have it. But then all of a sudden people go, great job. Good job. Man, that was good. I'm glad you did that. Wow, that was awesome because our thoughts are not his thoughts. See, Matthew chapter 25 shows this exact pleasing to the master, well done. This is what the master says, well done. Two of the most powerful words that prayerfully you're ever going to hear in your life. Well done. In the Greek, this word means use. In other words, it's kind of two words that come together. Even one is used as an adverb, okay. Now an adverb is what? It's a one that describes the verb. That's what an adverb is. In other words, the verb is done. It's done. Do. But not just to do, but to do it well. See, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be a Christian that just comes to church and I did my thing. No, I want to do it well. I want God to be pleased with what I do. I want him to be pleased. Now listen to me. I don't want him to be pleased with my perfection because I'll never have that. I'll never attain that. I want him to be pleased with what I do for him. And guess what? Some of the things that I do sometimes, they might be wrong. I might mess up. I might make a mistake. But guess what? The master doesn't, you don't come to the master and he goes, okay, what did you do? What did you do? How did you do that? Oh, no, that was totally, go back and write it again. Go back and say that again. No, no. Did you do it unto me? Well done. Well done. Well, two of the most powerful words that you will ever hear. Look at your neighbor say, well done. These are powerful words. I mean, it's so powerful that even when I go to a restaurant and they say, how would you like it cooked? I say, well done. I just don't want it done. I want it done well. Whatever comes my way, I just don't want to do it. I want to do it well. See, there's something about not doing things half-hearted. See, when God came and he sent his son, he didn't say, okay, I'm just going to send him and then I'm going to take him. He said, no, I'm going to send him and then he's going to die. I need him to finish the thing. I need him to go all the way. It needs to be done, but not just done. I want it done well. I want it well done. See, a lot, a lot of times the problem is, is that in our mindset, when we do things, we want it done according to our thoughts. We want it done according to our ways. But Isaiah chapter 55 says, his thoughts 
they're not ours. His ways, they're not our ways. They're totally out of the box. Totally out of how it's done. Even the other day, perfect example of my son, he did something and he came up to me and he started crying, crying because he felt like a failure. He's like, Dad, I messed up. I didn't do it right. I go, well, what did you do? And I was looking at the, the paperwork. He goes, I can't write it. I didn't do it. I go, no, good job. He's like, what? He goes, but that's not it. You know, he's learning. His mind is being shaped right now. He's like, but that's not what it is. I go, no, 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 no. Did you try your hardest? Yeah. Did that? Yeah, okay, great. See that pencil? He goes, yeah. I go, look on the other side of it. He said, what's that? I go, that's an eraser. I go, learn to use it. You're going to need it. See, a lot of times we come to God and we think, God, look what I did. I totally messed up. Look at this pen. I wrote it in pen. And God says, no, I can erase whatever I want. Don't worry about it. Did you do it unto me? Good job. Good job. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But so many times we try to keep figuring out God. God must be like this. God must be pleased if I do it like this. God looks down and he must only look at me if I look like this. And God's probably looking at He probably laughs at our thoughts, I would think. I laugh at my thoughts sometimes. I think God probably looks down sometimes and goes, what? What's why? This guy, this girl, I mean, it's my image. I made him, but still, you know, I just, I don't know. That's just my thing. I think sometimes, you know, I laugh. I made it in his image. I think God laughs too. I think he does. He's like, what? Oh, man. But the great thing about it is that thank God his thoughts are not our thoughts. Thank God his ways are not our ways. I like what Rob Bell said. He said, the moment God is figured out with a nice, neat lines and definitions, we are no longer dealing with God. In other words, you can't figure him out. You cannot figure out God. We could try. We do our best. We do our best to figure him out. But the moment we figure out God, all of a sudden, poof, he blows your mind. It's like, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. Where did that, wait, huh? Hold on. He just, he blows your mind. Has God ever blown your mind before? I mean, he's blown my mind plenty of times. Where my mind just got blown. I remember uh, one time sitting there in a, in, a, in a service and Pastor Sonny was preaching, and that was one of his points. And I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. He said, always leave room for God to blow your mind. And I say that same thing to you here this morning. Always leave room for God to blow your mind. Tell your neighbor, well done. See, the moment you think that you've got God all figured out, he blows your mind. He blows your mind. I was uh, studying the other day, and I was listening to a, a, a teacher, and as he was talking, he started talking about Scripture. I go, oh, I'm going to turn this up. I love Scripture, right? And he started talking about Scripture, and as he was talking about Scripture, he, he, he said this, and it really caught my attention. He said, each Scripture is like a diamond, and each diamond has 70 facets. And each facet has four applications. So the moment you think that you figured it out, oh, I've got it all together. Look, at that's what the scripture means. All of a sudden, turn it. The light hits it a different way. You've got a different application. That's how each scripture is. I said, wow, each scripture is like a diamond. And the moment you look at it, you go, wow, that's beautiful. Turn it around. And you go, you'll see it in a different light. 
go, wow, I never saw it like that. You know the scriptures that I read when I first got saved? I look at them now and I go, wow, I didn't know that. Why? Because God doesn't change. I do. I'm learning. I'm figuring this whole thing. Wow. See, the moment you think you got it figured out, oh, that's what it means. All of a sudden, wait a week, it changes. Oh, I didn't know that. It's different. Things change. See, because you and I, we figure God must be like this. And God's probably looking down. He's probably laughing saying, that's really not what you think. But I'm glad. I'm pleased that you're thinking about me. I'm pleased that you want to please me. I'm happy about it. See, a lot of times we think that when we come to church, we look at it and we go, okay, God is only going to be pleased if I dress like this. If I look like this. If I... If, if I say hallelujah, God's not going to be pleased. But if I say hallelujah, God will be pleased. I heard somebody once say that if we talk about God all day long, all day long, and if 95% of what you said about God was wrong, God would still be pleased. Because he's still pleased at the fact that you were talking about him all day long. See, a lot of times we, we, we like to think, okay, I'm going to figure out God. This is how it must be. See, and that's what one of the, uh, the men with the talents did. Okay, I'm going to figure out my master. I know I'm going to put it away. Because that's what my master would want. See, a lot, we, we try to figure out God. We try to put him in, uh, in, a, in this box. This is how God must be. God must be like this, so therefore God will be pleased like that. No, God is just pleased, number one, that you're here, that you want to know more about him. Just that you came to church, said, man, I know I don't have it all together, but I want to learn about God. See, that, isn't that why you come to church? I want to worship God. I want to please. Listen, I just want to kind of change your mindset a little bit. If you came to church to please your spouse, that's a scary thing right there. Why is that? Because I want you to know something. For those of you that have been married, you will never 100% ever satisfy your spouse. You just, you won't. It's just, it's not going to happen. Why? Because God made us with something that is always longing for something else. Now, that's something we figured out as Christians. We figured out it's God. We know that. But a lot of times we try to please people. So if you came to church here to, to please somebody... Guess what? You might dis be, be disappointed in my preaching. That's what might happen. Ah, oh, that pastor, he's, he's got a beard now. What's wrong with his beard? <laughs> I, I don't like that suit. Why does he got to wear blue? Why is he wearing purple? What's the purple? Why is he wearing green? I don't Why? Because you're looking for man to please you. And as long as you're looking for man to please you, guess what? You'll probably never be satisfied, more than likely. And so a lot of times that's what we try to do. We try to figure out God. We try to figure him out. And the moment you try to figure him out, he'll blow your mind. Just like my, my favorite word right now uh, on Facebook, when I say certain things, I'll say it, I'll write it, and then I'll go, boom. You're welcome. I like to say that sometimes because, you know, I'll write certain little things and I'll put it on there. And I, but then all of a sudden, you know, if I feel like, all right, you know, something kind of cool I came up with. I'm like, ooh, that's a good little nugget. Like, yeah, that's probably going to get someone right there. I'll go, boom. You're welcome. 
And many times it does. It hits some people like that because they'll comment on it and they'll go, wow, pastor, I never thought of it. So I'm like, okay, good. It worked. Did you know that God did that also in the Bible too with his people? He used to boom them many, many years ago. He did the same thing. See, because as they would live, they were always trying to figure out God. That's what going to the temple and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, that's what they figured their job was. Their job was to figure out God. You know, read the scriptures. You can study it on your own. That was kind of their job. Okay, you come to the temple, you must do it like this. Okay, the penitents, we're going to do it this way. Because they were always trying to figure out God. This is the way God must be worshipped. Right? And so as you read the scriptures, and you can read it there, even in the beginning, one thing that I, I really love being married to a Jew, my wife is Jewish, just in case you didn't know that. She's Jewish. I've learned a lot about the Jewish customs. I've learned a lot about the Jewish and, and the Hebrews and even the people, because I want to tell you something. They're, they're, I don't even think they're like a, a, a race, honestly. They're, they're like something not of this world, because it's so, totally different. The way Jews are, the way Jews think, the way he, it's totally different. You know, Mex Mexicans, you could tell Mexican, you know. you know, African, you could tell African. Just to let you know, so some of you here that are black, you're not African. You're, you're American. You want to be African? Go to Africa. Ah, see, African. There's a difference. See, a lot of times, we, you know, with cultures, but with Jews, it's different. Because it's not a culture, it's actually who they are. I'm a Jew. And so it's been ingrained in them since the beginnings of time. Now, when you say beginnings of time, what do you mean? Well, as you read the scriptures, the first five books, right, they're called the, uh, the book of Moses, right, the law, the book of the law, the Torah, right? That's what it's called. Now, in the Torah, look at this. In the Torah, trip out on this. God, remember, God wants to blow your mind. Tell, tell your neighbor, God wants to blow your mind. In the Torah, you will read about how, okay, do not marry Gentiles and stone prostitutes, right? That's what the Bible says, Deuteronomy. Do not marry Gentiles and stone prostitutes. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Boom. Tell your neighbor, boom. Look at this. Then the word of the Lord came to Hosea. Marry a Gentile prostitute. Boom. What? Even some of you probably right now like, wait, wait, huh? Read it. It's there. Book of Hosea. This is what happened. The word of the Lord came to Hosea. Marry a Gentile. And I believe it was uh, Gomer, right? I think it was Gomer. Marry Gentile prophet. Wait, is it, that doesn't make any sense. That's not right. God is God, right? Is he not? He could kind of do what he wants. Another part in the, in the Torah, right? This would be kind of cool too. You know, this is something, when I heard this, I said, wow, this is pretty heavy. And I was reading it, and I was studying it, and I said, wow, this is pretty heavy right here. In the book of Deuteronomy, you can look it up for yourself. Bury this. That's what you're supposed to do, bury it. The Torah says, do not... Touch your poop. You're supposed to bury it, actually. Don't touch your poop. That's some pretty good advice, don't you think? That's pretty good. I, I like that. I think that's pretty good. I mean, you know, it sounds about right, because if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be the light of the world, you shouldn't be messing around with your poop, right? 
Don't do it. And the word of the Lord, boom. Tell your neighbor, boom. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. I want you to make a barbecue and use your poop as fuel. Can you imagine right now? I mean, think about this. Think, think about if, if all of a sudden, right now, in the middle of service, I go, okay, check this out. The word of the Lord came to me. And I believe that tonight we're going to have a barbecue. And we have some buckets in the back. And I want everybody to, right? Wouldn't that? Now, right away, our thinking says, God would never do that, right? Are you sure, never? Are you positive? Are you absolutely, are you sure? Because it did to Ezekiel. I don't know, I'm just saying. I mean, in our thinking, in our ways, in our thoughts, of course, never. But the thing about it is that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. Another part, because the Torah says, okay, don't eat pig, right? We all know, don't eat pig. But all of a sudden, there in the book of Acts, here comes Peter and says, guess what, guys? I got some pork grinds. <laughs> That's what happened, right? Peter came. The Bible says that he came to the steps, and he was there, and he had it. And they said, what are you doing? You can't be having that stuff. You're not so, it's unclean. And then what does Peter say? I believe it's in the book of Acts, chapter, I want to say chapter 20. It says right there, it says, oh, yeah, last night I had a dream. And Jesus said, go ahead. And you get, wait, you were with Jesus? You walked with him? No, he came to me in a dream. And he said, go ahead and get some pork rinds and get your boogie on. Go for it. Well, I didn't say boogie on. Victory outreach, you understand what I'm saying. And he, think about that, because you're not supposed to do that. Yet here comes Peter with some pork. Wait a second, something ain't right here. I don't know, what is going on here? God is saying, marry a Gentile prostitute. God's using poop as fuel. Uh, wait, go ahead and eat some pork. Wait, I, this is just weird. It's just weird. No, it's not weird. It's just that the moment you try to figure out God, God just switches it up and says, no, 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 no. You think you're pleasing me your way. You think you are serving me your way. But I think God just does that just to mess with it sometimes. He just throws little things in there and says, oh, okay, I'm going to break up your system. I'm going to break up your way of doing. I'm going to break up your way that you think that how I'm pleased with your have. Just, just to let you know, your righteousness, kind of filthy. Just want you to know that. Just in case that you thought that your righteousness was cool. Just in case that you thought that you figured me out. Just in case that that's what you thought. Just in case. See, God is not looking for you to figure him out. That's not what God is looking for. God is not looking that you would have all this understanding of this infinite God. Listen, that's why he's called infinite. You can't figure him out. 
He's an infinite God. You can't figure him out. There is just too much that you and I as just regular human flesh trying to figure him out. You know what? One thing I learned, I remember this from physics. I was actually awake in physics. I can't believe I was. But in physics, look at this. In physics, I want to make sure that I got this right. I even wrote it down so I could remember it. In physics, this is what they say. Force equals mass. Do you guys remember this? Some of you guys are like, no, I didn't even get that far. I think I was getting high at that time. Force equals mass times acceleration, right? That's what force is. That's where force comes from. There's weight and there's something moving. It has to move. That's what we, a lot of times. So if you look at it and you read the scriptures, there's a lot of times that an infinite God comes and he just breaks the laws of physics. Because force, right, that's what we think that God is. God's going to come, and when I lift up my hands, he's going to hit me, and I'm going to feel it. And it's going to be like, yes, and that's how God is going to be pleased. God's an infinite God. We're finite. So physics says force needs something. Yet God describes himself as an infinite force. He says, I am the light. I am the light. How much does light weigh? Nothing. It doesn't weigh anything. You can't hold it. It's light. It's just there. Yet if you put light into a little beam, you can cut metal with it, right? Get a laser. Yet he is the light. He is the light. Fire. These are, these are things from physics. Fire. How much does fire weigh? It doesn't weigh anything. You can't weigh it. But it could burn this place down. That's how powerful it is. He says, I am the word. Because words, you can't measure. How, how are you going to measure? What are you gonna, how are you going to weigh words? You can't. But yet words are powerful. Jesus loves you. See, a lot of times when we try to figure out God, God must be like this. God must be like this. Listen, if we spent all day trying to talk about God and still if we got it wrong, I think that God still looks down and says, I'm glad they were talking about me. Not debating about me, but talking about me, about how great that I am. Have you ever, like, do you, do you remember at times, for those of you that are fathers, when your son or your daughter would come up to you? And just randomly say, Daddy, you're the best. How many parents know what I'm talking about? You know, when they would do that, just, Dad, you're the best. Now, in your mind, you start reasoning, what did I do? I must have did something. I had to, wait, did I, wait, hold, right, because that's our reasoning. But see, God, all he wants to do, he just wants you to say, Dad, you're the best. That's it. That's all it is. He is he's not pleased with the fact that, Dad, see, you're the best because according to the scripture, and then if we, see, we try to figure it out. When God just says, no, I just want you to, to tell me that I'm worthy, that I'm glorious, that I'm the Lord of your life, that I'm number one in your life. That's it. But a lot of times we try to figure it out. God must be like this. And then all of a sudden, the moment we figure it out, See, I said all that to say this. Listen, church, if you're trying to figure out God to make sure that your life is going the right way, 
you're going to be dissatisfied. You're never going to figure it out. God must, God must, he must have it. He must. And God says, all I want you to do is just love me. All I want you to do is just worship me. All I want you to do is just do what I've called you to do. And if all that is is going outside, getting against the rock, and pushing it, that's it. Just push against the rock. Don't move it. I'll do that. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to what? Without faith, it's impossible. You know what that is? That portion of scripture? It's like a marriage. That's what it is. It's like a marriage. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, how many of you here are married? How many here are married? Okay, so you're going to understand this pretty much right away. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's pretty much the same thing for those that are married. Now, my wife is not here, but imagine this. Me and my wife, we're in an argument, and we're arguing. We're just, oh, man, we're just going at it. Now, right away, my thinking, after I probably calmed down, all right, you know what? I'm going to make up for it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get her a big, fat diamond ring, right? That, of course, that's got to do it. That has to do it. So I come and I go, okay, look it. Here you go. Here you go, babe. Oh, man, look it. Boom. And now if she was really, really, not you, now you ain't having this. <laughs> and I go, okay, babe, here you go. I'm, man, I, I'm sorry. Uh, now, within the realm of our marriage, I'm saying this is going to please her. Now, one thing that I'm learning, I believe me, I haven't learned at all about my wife or even women in general. But if she's really, really mad, I don't care how big this diamond is. She's going to look at it and go, no. Matter of fact, even before she does it, she might look at it and go, why are you giving this to me? <laughs> why? Well, be because I, I love you. Why do you love me? Well, because look at how big that ring is. Wow, that's huge. Why'd you give it to me? Why that one? Why the, I'm like, man, why? Because no matter how hard I try, if there is no trust within our relationship, anything you give her doesn't matter. It really does not matter. See, and that's what's funny about it is that a lot of times that's what we do when we come to church. We come to church and we go, hey, God, look at this big fat ring. At least I, look, I'm lifting my hands. Look, I'm lifting. That's good enough, right? And God says, why are you lifting your hands? Why? Do you know why? Do you know why you come to church? Do you know why you give? Do you know why you pray? Do you know why you sing the songs? Do you know why you're in that ministry? Do, do you know why? Because if you don't know why, I wonder if God is looking down looking to be pleased. Because God is, he, it's a faith thing. It's not what you give. Listen, it's so important that even Jesus rebuked the disciples with it. That's how important it is. Because Jesus said, come here, you bunch of wannabes, get over here. Got all the disciples. Got his youth group. That's what he did. He got his youth group. Come, come over here. He said, see that woman? She gave two mites. She gave more than everybody. 
what? That doesn't make any sense. These people are given diamond rings and given houses and giving it. No, 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 no. I'm pleased with the two mites. See, all of you, you think that I'm pleased with all that? I'm not pleased with that. I am pleased with the fact that just that you want to love me. You want to know more about me. You want to just be in my presence. I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased with the fact that just that, not, not just, just the fact that, hey, I'll, I'll come and I'm going to get off of drugs. To be honest, you could do that in any place. You want to get off of drugs? You can go anywhere with that. But I think he's more pleased with the fact that God, okay, I, I was on drugs, but I want to get to know you more. Because the drugs had me. Now I want to get to know you. That's what, that's what he's pleased with. He's pleased with the aroma that says, God, I want to be in your presence. God, I want to. See, when you get this understanding of pleasing God, then your work no longer becomes work. It becomes a pleasantry unto God. Your marriage no longer becomes heartache and hassle. No longer does it become difficult every moment of the day. You, when you're in your marriage, you're like, man, I feel like this thing is never going to work. But you're in that marriage to please God. I want to please God. As a parent, you're not always telling your kids, man, just get out of here. But you say, no, no, no. I need to discipline them because I want to please God. You know what the Bible even says to children? And this goes for all of you that have parents. I don't care if you're in your teens or in your 30s or 40s. The Bible says, children, obey your parents. For this pleases the Lord. What it says. This pleases God. See, there are things that they please God. And I'm going to be talking about that even next week. But I know I'll get a little ahead of myself. But listen, pleasing God. I pray that that's what you catch. And don't try to figure him out while you're trying to please him. Because the moment you figure him out, guess what? Boom. The moment you try to figure him out. I got it. I got it. See, look at me. I, don't, I look good now. I, do, I don't cuss anymore. I don't smoke anymore. Yeah, all right. See, that's good. The guy says, I didn't put a chimney on your head in the first place. You were never supposed to smoke. That's not how I made you. I created you so that when I see you face to face, well done. Well done. That's what he... He made us so that he can look at us and say, well done. Good job. So you and I, we try to look at the job. God just wants to say, good job. Well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant. You were obedient in your marriage, in your ministry, in your calling, at your work, at your job, while you were driving, while you were at the restaurant. You were obedient then. See, I want to please God in everything that I do. Not some of the things, all of the things. Not half of the things, all of the things. I don't want to minimize my effort in just saying, God, I keep pushing, but you know what? I don't feel like I'm doing anything right. God, I just want to keep pushing. I know I may not see the result. I know I'm not seeing the result, but God, I'm going to keep pushing. I know this is getting a little weary, but keep pushing. Some of you right now, you're, you're in situations that you just feel like, man, I'm not moving anything. It's okay. Keep pushing. You're not supposed to move it. Don't worry about it. Because you're going to have faith that moves mountains. 
some of you guys are going to catch that on the way home right there. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's all you're supposed to keep doing. Some of you right now, you're at the end of the year. And you're almost feeling like, man, I just want this year to get over. Some of you right now, take a step back. Look at your arms. Wow, I'm a little bit stronger this year than I was last year. Wow, I didn't really, I didn't, wow, look at this. I, I, I'm a little bit wiser than I was last year. Wow, I didn't even realize that. I, my marriage, a little bit stronger than, it, whoa, my parents, whoa, my ministry, my, whoa, I'm a little bit stronger than I was. God says, okay, now that you see that, I'm going to move it. Your faith. I'm pleased with. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Stand with me here this morning. Many times we try to figure out God. God must be like this. God must be like that. If you were here the other day, we had a man by the name of uh, uh, Shane Willard. He came and remember he talked about salvation? Remember that? Some good stuff. Kind of blew everybody's mind with that. You know one thing I love about our, uh, I had a sit down, quite a few sit downs actually with our Vethi teacher, Paul Torres. And I remember one time we were sitting down and we were conversating. And we were talking about the class. And we were talking about different things. And you know, you know, some people sometimes they don't fully understand Brother Paul, because they're like, how come Paul, I don't, why would he say, but one thing I love, what he said, I love what Paul said, he says, you know what, I share it, I say it, and I leave it open, and it's for them to figure it out, for them to find out, I'm not going to tell anybody this is the way that God is, he says, no, that's not what the Bible teaches, the Bible doesn't teach for you to figure, that's how God is, because the moment you think you got it, boom, Where'd that come from? And so I remember that conversation that we had. I said, no, I just, I leave it open. I said, let them figure it out for themselves. But God, I'm not God. You're not God. How are we all of a sudden, these finite beings, going to try to figure out an infinite God? You can't. It's impossible to figure, but it's possible to please through faith. Your faith. Your faith. Your faith. Some of you right now, you're in a situation, you say, I don't see the possibility of coming out of it. It's okay. Your faith is to please God. God not saying, God's not even saying, I'm going to take you out of it. Sometimes he puts you in it. Did you know that Jesus put his disciples in the storm? He knew that there was going to be a storm. He still put it in them anyways. He still put them through the storm. He said, God would never put, yes, he would. God will still put you through a storm. God will, but yes, he will. He'll put you through a storm sometimes just so he can look at where your faith is. Even the disciples, even the disciples were trying to figure out God. Because remember, all of a sudden, he stops the waves. He stops the waves. And the disciples go, whoa, who is this? Even the disciples couldn't figure him out. Who's this man that the winds and the waves obey him? And then what did he do? He turned around and he said, you of little. God's getting at your faith. Some of you right now, I know you're like, man, I don't have it all together. I don't. Listen, it's your faith. 
God's not looking at what's parked in your driveway. He's looking at your faith. God's not looking at the money in your bank account. He's looking at your faith. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for some of you right now. Whether it's within your, your, your marriage, your ministry, your, your job. And you're trying to figure God. You're trying to figure him out. God says, no, 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 stop trying to figure it out. Just try. I want you just to please me. Just to please me. You might not even get it right, but I want you to please me. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And some of you here this morning, you say, you know what? I just want my life to please God. I want my life to please God. I want my speech. I want my job. I want my family. I want me. I want my life, my eyes, my, my hands, my feet. I want it to please God in everything that I do. I don't want to try to figure him out. I just want to please him. Is what I'm doing, is it pleasing unto him? Is my life pleasing? Is my speech, is my thoughts, are they pleasing unto God? I want to hear those words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Listen, if that's you here this morning and you're going through a storm and you think that you're trying to figure out the storm, God says, forget trying to figure out the storm. I just want to be pleased by your faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here this morning, doesn't matter your situation, doesn't matter what you're going through, but if you want to be pleasing unto God in this situation, I want you to slip out of your seat right now as they begin to sing this song. I want to pray with you. I want to believe God with you. I want to affirm with you that God is going to do the miraculous within your life, that there is going to be pleasantry. There is going to be pleasing in a God that everything that you do, everything that you say, that you're not going to please man, but you want to please God.